So that's the first phase to listen before I write a single word. And the next phase is to create. And to me, that means to create a guide, a voice and tone guide. I know people talk about tone of voice and other ways to put it, but I, I prefer to, to say voice and tone because voice is always the one that will be the same forever, but the tone will, will change. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. We have a very special guest, a friend of mine. He's the founder of Please Copy Me, a newsletter for UX writers in Sweden. He was one of our first students in the UX writing hub, and I'm very excited to have him here. Matthias, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I was actually really keen to speak with you in the podcast for a while, and I'm happy that you had the chance to do it. How are you? How is everything with the coronavirus going on right now? Yeah, it's a tricky question to answer these days. How are you? Often you just ask each other that question and, and you don't think much about your own answer or the other person's answer. But, right. but nowadays you, you really think about it. <laughs> How am I, really? <laughs> and I'm glad to say that I'm well, I'm healthy, I'm safe, and I'm at home. And I'm actually still busy. So I'm very grateful for, for having clients and projects and an ongoing program teaching other people how to write UX writing in, in Swedish. And I guess we'll talk more about that. That's really cool. I don't know much about this program because I'm not speaking Swedish. And I would love to learn more about how did you set it up and all of that. But before that, I'm super happy to hear that because on my end, I also feel it that we have the coronavirus going on, but the work for UX writers, digital experience creators is still there. Because actually technology is what is all we have these days. That's how we speak with each other. That's how we have like different interactions. That's how we watch content. If it's Netflix, that's how we meditate. If it's Headspace, that's how we buy stuff. We don't go to the mall. We don't do anything like that. Technology is like the savior right now of many, many, many people. And you can actually see that there is more demand right now. Or at least like it's really good time to start working hard. And if you're not in the field yet, maybe work on your portfolio because like there is demand and people are looking for talented people to work with. And I'm happy to hear that you're busy too. Yeah, and I agree. And I think uh, to me, this is not a very new situation. I've been a freelance writer for over 10 years. So working from home and from anywhere and having a lot of meetings, yeah, online meetings, it's mm -hmm. not new to me. So this is actually normal to me. Exactly. I also feel like it's normal. I remember that we met first time like two years and a half ago and you were, I think you were at some point traveling to another place for like one month or something like that and you could still work or be in touch and that was something that I thought to myself that this person knows how to work remotely because I was also trying to start my remote career back then and today I'm also working remotely. Yeah. And I would love to learn more about your transition from you know 10 years of copywriting into UX writing how was it and how did it work for you today so as i said i've been a copywriter for a bit over 10 years 
And five years ago, I became a father and I was a freelance then. And I became very focused at work to provide my family with everything they needed. It was even more important than when we had a, a son in the family when we were three. But also I became what I guess American people would call family oriented this new life into our lives became super important to me and I, and I was and still very focused on our son. And today we also have a daughter. She's two by now. So I became a bit further away from the everyday updates in terms of copywriting and advertising, which I've been very into for a lot of years. But when I started to come back to that world again, uh, when he was about two or three years old, I read an article about the role of UX copywriter and UX writing. And that article really caught my attention and I was started to, to think about this new role, which I've never heard of, about before. And I started to read everything about it. And it wasn't much to read, actually. It was some articles written about what is UX writing and what is a UX writer. So I started to dig in this new world of UX and design and writing as well. And I realized that without knowing it, I have interesting questions related to UX for a very long time without knowing it. When I started at the university way back, I read this book, Don't Make Me Think. It's a really classic book about how to design, both in terms of visuals and in terms of words. I recommend it to everyone if you haven't read it. I actually never had a chance to read it. Oh, you should. It's a great read and it's funny to read it. So I realized I read it back then. And also in a book about copywriting that I wrote 10 years ago, I had one chapter about microcopy. This was 2011 when I realized that this might be a great thing to know and be able to be able to write for a future copywriter as well. But then I had no idea that there would come a specialized role writing for UX. So by the time I read that article, we were about maybe 10 UX writers in Sweden. Yes, the community was very small in Sweden back then. And you've noticed that the Swedish UX writing community was very small, right? Yeah. There wasn't say, a lot of content. I would say tiny, <laughs> teeny tiny, <laughs> almost non-existent. And I realized there are very few UX writers, but there are lots of UX designers. Mm -hmm. And I, I was picturing myself standing outside a big conference room with like 100 UX designers looking into to this conference room. And I really wanted a place and a seat at the table. So uh, I was thinking, my experience as a copywriter was that in every digital project, I was called in in the very last second when it was almost too late, when it was like one or two weeks until they should uh, ship the digital product or, or launch the, the, the website. I was always the last one to, to call just to fill, fill in the empty text boxes. I thought to myself that I need to understand 
the world of the UX designer. So what I did was I went to UX design conferences. Mm-hmm. I felt like the odd man out, but I didn't care. I went in there and I'd made this uh, little pin that I was wearing. And it says UX writer in the making. Nice. I could not call myself a UX writer because I have done zero projects on UX writing. Mm-hmm. But I was so curious to get to know more about UX and UX writing. So you went into a conference for UX designers? Yes. You were saying to them, hey people, I'm a UX writer in the making. And you know, probably back then, or even today, like many designers, today it's much more common. But back then it was probably like, people were like, is that a thing? Like, is UX writing a thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, to, you need to advocate it a little bit, even to designers. Now designers know like how important it is to work with writers, but I remember like back then, maybe in 2017, something like that, people were like, is that a thing? Isn't it like a tiny, super niche and like, it's never going to be an actual thing. Yeah. So I guess uh, it is something, right? Yeah. I would say (laughs) in those conferences, I went to one in Copenhagen uh, in Denmark and one here in Sweden in, in Stockholm. And I would definitely say I was welcomed with open arms. Yeah. Designers that I talk to about the importance of words in every digital project yeah. and product, they actually agreed that that was an essential thing in design. I agree. You know, I'm one of them. I'm one of those designers. That's my background. And I noticed that there aren't people that are in charge of the copy of the interface. And it's not something that I necessarily can take the responsibility for. And we need more writers, just yeah. like we need writers to write our posters. We need also writers to write our interfaces. Yeah. And also to me, design, UX design, is words and visuals together. I think it's unfortunate that design is often defined as forms and, uh, and colors and the visuals. I right. think it's 50-50 or 100% and 100%. So it may be 200% together because together they are... They're very important. Like, uh, it's also a very interesting question that I ask a lot of people. Like, what will be the common ratio between the designers in the team and the writers in the team? So many senior UX writers tell me that the perfect ratio will be one to one, like you said, like 50-50, designers and writers. Some would say two designers, one writer, should be like 33, 66. But it's something that no one still knows what would be the perfect ratio. But let me step back a little bit. You said that you decided you had five years of experience, you had your first child, and you want to be a little bit more family-oriented. Then you understood that there is something called UX writing, and you decided that you're going to turn to be a UX writer. It works in the Nordics to different design conferences with a pin. I'm a UX writer in the making. That's fantastic. I really like that. And you made a transition. I remember you invested a lot of time and efforts and money in in UX writing education because we were in touch and we talked about it. And I know, obviously. And you started your Swedish UX writing newsletter, sharing the world with so much information and now educating a really big community about UX writing. I would love to know, since you decided to do the change, which kind of UX writing projects did you took since then? 
since I was a UX writer in the making, I wanted to to go from there to be a UX writer with actual experience. Yes. So I went out and I talked to my copywriting clients and I told the world through different channels and in social media that I was looking for projects related to UX writing. And it turned out to be very tricky because there were very few products like that. But over the following month from there, I became involved and involved myself Mm-hmm. in three or four different projects that were in different ways related to, to UX writing. The very first one was to actually go through forms uh, where you... Submit your content, start a conversation with the company. Yeah. It's like a very important part of the interface is the form. Yeah. It was a form where you signed up to run what is the biggest half marathon race in the world it's takes place usually i would say uh, here in gothenburg every year it's called that's very cool are you running too i have been but that's another episode right Um, (laughs) but i i helped them to make the sign up form easier easier to to get through because as they said themselves it was more tricky to actually sign up for the race than to compete in the (laughs) racing and and get to the finish line what was complicated about that form? For instance, when things get wrong, the error messages were not helping. Mm-hmm. That was one thing, and it was perceived as a lot of information, which it was. Like too many fields. Yeah, so we divided it into steps nice. instead, which made it much more easier to do one part and then the next one and then the next one and then you run. That's a good solution. Yeah, and also a bank here in Gothenburg, where I live, called Collector Bank. They they called me up and they wanted me to be a part of their UX design team. They were about to launch their very first bank app. Every week for two or three days a week for over half a year, I was there to actually make all the words words and all the text in the in the app. Uh, that sounds like an amazing project. Yeah, it was, and I learned a lot from them about the great work that goes into to making making an app mm-hmm. and it also struck me how many words and texts there are in an app, in an app. it's a never ending story never ending story and it always you know always need to you know it from different products and product teams you need also always to optimize it and by the way it leads me to two very interesting topics that you that you talked about right now so the first one was the sign-up form, yeah. which you took an existing experience, an existing interaction, and you optimize it, which is one phase that a UX writer needs to handle a lot of times, you know, creating some kind of a optimization. And another project, which was creating an app from scratch, which is also another phase that UX writers need to handle, and you did it as a freelancer, which is also a phase that many UX writers are right now because many companies outside of the Bay Area are not ready to hire a dedicated UX writer. So I think that you really did well with all of these fantastic projects. That's first of all. Second of all, I want to ask if you, by any chance, for example, let's go back to the sign-up form with the a marathon. So did you have the data of before your 
copywriting work and after the copywriting work and how it optimizes the amount of people that actually sign up to the marathon? I would love to say yes, but I cannot mm-hmm. do that. And this chance to measure and to test is definitely the next step for me. That's, that's what I'm going to, to focus uh, my, my future on to, to actually do that and to encourage um, my clients to, to do that so I can prove the value of choosing this word instead of this and or to redesign a, a form. That's the best way to promote UX writing. If, if you ask yes. me, you come to a client, you tell them, hey, I went to this marathon company, the biggest marathon in the world, basically. They had a nasty form. It wasn't good, overwhelming, Hixla, too much information, no cognitive load. You can actually take the data right now, by the way. You can just follow up with them, tell them, hey, I need access to your Google Analytics of these dates and those dates, and you can see if it's increased the amount of people interacting with it, only if you want to. But just showing this data to your future clients and say 50% more people sign up to that form, that's like the quick win. And, and you can tell your next clients and everyone can tell their clients or their teams or everything that our work as writers increase the amount of people that are using the platform, that sign up. And that's how effective UX writing can be because we still need to advocate it in these days. I know more people understand that it's a thing, but we still need to advocate it. And people and businesses, they like to see money and conversions. And money and conversions is the amount of people that sign up to that. Absolutely. I agree. And the best is yet to to come for for me and for for a lot of uh, UX writers in terms of uh, testing and measuring and showing the value of, of their word choices. Really cool. I'm very impressed. About that bank. So for me, I had an issue with a bank that's I really wanted to help them out, but they said, no, we want only someone in-house to work with us. So how does it work? How does it work to be a freelancer in a bank like that? It was the perfect job for me, actually, because when I was there, I was totally focused on doing what I was there to do. And so for me, being a freelancer, the limited amount of time I had to spend on that project made me really focus on doing the job. And one of the first things that I did was I talked to a lot of people on the, the inside of the organization and I created a voice and tone guide. Nice. Actually, to make my own work so much easier and to be able to explain why I've chosen a certain word. So uh, that's like the foundation of my own work. So I talked to a lot of people and I created out of the core values and the brand promise I created uh, like a voice for the brand and for this app and it made it so much easier to write from there. So in every project that I'm involved in, it's not there already. I always create a voice and tone guide. So right now I'm working with uh, Storytel. Mm -hmm. That's a Swedish uh, company and they are now a a global company offering um, audiobooks and eBooks and experiences in your ears so so i'm helping them both with copywriting and ux writing so i both sell with words and help and guide with words and i'm also doing a project right now for an online pharmacy called Apohem. and i helped them creating this voice and tone guide and gave them a lot of word choices and directions and from there they have taken this guide 
and done a lot of work and great work as well themselves. So there are different ways to help companies doing UX writing a good way. It's amazing. You're exploding. It's uh, fantastic. So many great clients. Yeah, and thank you. And I also you. love the fact that if you're not an in-house writer, but a freelance writer, it's uh, make your life and their life very easy to create some kind of a content style guide, voice and tone style guide, and then you can just make sure that everybody's are following it consistently instead of hands-on doing it every day, which is a great tip. Yeah. And what I recommend everyone doing voice and tone guide like that is to make it very light, not a heavy strategic document with a lot of words and a lot of pages, but to, to be like a living, easy to edit document yeah. in like uh, Google Docs or something yeah. like that. So everyone can have access to it and you can add examples and new words words not to not to use and words to use and expressions to use it's very easy when you do a, a document like that you want to fill it with like everything mm-hmm. but try not to but focus on what is the voice of the brand and how does it differ in different situations you can think of like positive situations and neutral situations and negative situations how does this voice defined voice changes in different tones and some examples we write error messages like this and success messages like this and some other parts of 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 copywriting and that's it and if you limit it to one or two pages people can actually use it and use it over time right that's a good tip, Matthias, because you don't want to overwhelm also your peers and colleagues. You want to make their life easy at the end of the day. And if you just throw a document on them, they're probably not going to read it unless it's going to be easy to digest. Yeah, exactly. It's a good one. So your portfolio is really diverse from what I'm hearing right now. What will be your process when a new client reach out to you? I guess that every process is a bit different. But uh, do you have some guidelines for your process when working with clients? Yes, I do. And I have created this process along the way. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so when Storytel came to me and asked, you know, asked me to help them with, with UX writing and copywriting, I uh, found or made up this process of mine. And the first step was to listen. And that's part of research. You can call it research. but I, I, to them, I, I, I called it listen. The first phase was listen. And uh, so I started to meet with people on the inside of Storytel, talked about their roles and their uh, thoughts about the brand and what they offered the world. So I learned a lot about them. I came to know a lot of people on the inside of the company. And I also talked to three of their clients. So I called them up. And I talked to them for 10, 15 minutes, mm-hmm. not more than that. And during a call like that, a conversation, you get to know a lot about a person. When you ask them questions about their lives and how, in this case, audiobooks fits into their lives. I mean, it's one part of their lives. It's not everything in their lives. A lot of company. They tend to believe that their product or service is 
a huge part of people's lives, but it's it's rarely the case. So I talk to them and I listen carefully to what words they choose, how they talk, if they talk fast or slow, if their lives are busy or if it's relaxed. So I, I ask them a lot of questions and I listen carefully. And, and when you are wise enough to be quiet, they'll keep talking and they tell you the really important stuff. So that's the first phase. I talk to the clients and I write down the important stuff that they tell me. And in this project for, for Storytel, I also talked to three potential clients that were uh, like like the perfect customers, that, but they were not customers. And they had a lot of great things to, to say why they weren't customers. So that's the first phase to listen before I write a single word. And the next phase is to create. And uh, to me, that means to create a guide, a voice and tone guide. I know people talk about tone of voice and other ways to put it, but I, I prefer to, to say voice and tone because mm-hmm. voice is always the one that will be the same forever, but the tone will, will change yeah. depending on, on the situation and also about uh, what feeling the reader or the person uses the app or web has. I, I did a voice and tone guide, and then the really fun part begins to, to actually explore and to, to write UX writing and see how it fits in. And I really enjoy to, to do that kind of work in Figma. Mm-hmm. And I've done some projects in, in Figma, working together with designers. And Figma is actually the tool that I've been longing for for a very long time. When I worked at Collectobank, it was a tool that I was missing because I felt like that the program they used, which was Sketch, I was always on the, the outside. Yeah, like commenting on stuff, but not actually getting inside and write actual screens. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think Figma is uh, the, the perfect uh, tool um, um, for doing uh, work together. And in a very near future, I would love to add the important phase of testing and measuring the effect of words as well. Yeah, you know, measurement processes for copy is still something that people are trying to figure out today. Not easy at all. And I really enjoy to listen right now to your process. So, And one more step in the process is when I've done my part of the, the work, as a freelancer, I will not be there forever. Right. So what I also do is I coach people on the inside of, of the company, the ones who are writing texts every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, together with them, I discuss and present the, everything that I've of my insights and thoughts and decisions during the process. I hand the voice and tone guide over to them and I also coach them. They write and I give them feedback. Amazing. I like to call this process giving them the cow but and not giving them the milk, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so giving them the road and not the fish. It's like you give them tools so they could use to be successful at writing without someone that will so they could do this and not someone from the outside and it could be very helpful really good amazing 
And nothing makes me more happy than see my clients being able to actually take this guide and all the texts that I've uh, written and continue and make it great. Fantastic. We have a lot of listeners right now. They want to get into the field of UX writing. They try to build a portfolio. In my opinion, by the way, the best way to work in a product team like Google or something like that is to start as a freelancer and explore and try different apps and different products, see what you like, and then have enough experience and find that uh, product. But in, and that's how I started in UX, by the way, as a freelance. So in both cases, I would recommend, even if you stay freelance, I would recommend to start even as a freelance. So my question to you is, what will be your tips and recommendation to land a freelance project? The first step you need to take is to actually start to explore and to try to write micro copy and to prove that you're good at this. And I believe that a lot of people... They make it so hard to do that. They are like waiting for every conditions to be every condition to be right. So they are waiting for the the right client for the right uh, project. And if you do that, you you can wait for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So instead, I recommend to find a company that you think uh, have quite poor microcopy. You don't like it, and you try to make it better. One of the students in my program, he said that Airbnb is is one of those companies. They haven't given microcopy the love that it deserved. I think he talked about the Swedish version of Airbnb. And I said to him, use that as a project. In, for example, Figma, you, you can use a great plugin called HTML to Figma. Mm-hmm. Have you used it? No, never. No? You should, you should try it because... I am going uh, to. Yeah, with HTML2 Figma, you can import any live website with uh, with everything. That's and uh, yeah, and you can uh, you can uh, make a before and an after version of oh my God. Of, of, <laughs> of any of any site. What? I'm taking screenshots like a caveman. Yeah, you don't you don't need <laughs> to anymore. And you can edit all the text boxes. On the side. It's importing the fonts too? Like not the fonts, but the text as the a text, text box? Yes, absolutely. Oh my God. The fonts sometimes. Right, because you don't have the fonts of Airbnb or new computer, so it's not going to import it. No, but in this case, to show your skills and to explore. It doesn't really matter because it's not a design project. It's a writing project. Exactly. So I recommend everyone to, to try that. And by doing that, you can, you can easily do projects for common brands for 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 tech companies that have has a website uh, you can cool. and, and you can say if, if uh, i were to to decide the voice and tone here if i were to to write the microcopy i would do this and how would you for example deliver it to your potential prospect you know what i mean like a presentation a screenshot or you want to write explanation maybe a case study would you reach them on linkedin would you just post it somewhere there's so many strategies you can take here yeah i mean in normal times i would always recommend meeting them face to face but i mean putting together a, a simple uh, like a keynote presentation showing yeah. before and after and have 
a short meeting with a potential client, like mm -hmm. like on a on a call like this via video. And how do you reach out to that client? Well, I email them, I call them, I tell them that I have knowledge that I think they'll need, and in a very friendly way, I I, I approach them with with that, of course, because we're all in this together and to help and to make things better, not only for our clients, but for the people using it as well. I love the fact that you're so active about reaching out and trying and you don't need to wait for the project to come to you. You need to claim it. You need to talk to them. You need to do it before and after. Reach out, tell them, hey, I can help you guys and I'm going to help you guys meet with me and I'll show you how. And that's the freelance mindset that everyone needs to have because it's difficult. I definitely understand what you're saying. I would do the same. Many people out there need like a kick of motivation to do it too because it's not common. It's not common to be as active as you are. And this is a great tip. One trick is to show them not too much. You don't want to mm -hmm. uh, make to give them it all away. feel tired, but you want to feel them, oh, I want more. I want more of this. I want to know more about what this. It's like a date. You can put everything in the first date. You need to give them some teasing. Yeah. <laughs> make a second date, third date, build a relationship, basically. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Amazing. So you have students and you give them these fantastic tips. So how does the program work exactly in Sweden? It's six intense weeks mm -hmm. together. And once a week we meet for a talk about a specific topic. It's usually two hours packed with new knowledge and mm -hmm. examples and me doing a lot of talk and, and the, the class, they uh, are open to ask and discuss uh, what we're talking about. And we have a Slack channel as well, where we continue the discussion. And every week I, I offer all of them individual feedback sessions where we look at their work. First, they do research and they listen and talk to their clients and they, they do interviews with their clients to form a foundation together with the voice and tone guide. So they, they create a voice and tone guide. And from there, they start to, to write microcopy in many, many different shapes and forms. And uh, of course, they do it in Figma. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the students can, can see that, oh, I want to do this changes immediately on our site or in our app so it's it's an eye-opener they say in many cases from talking to their clients to create a voice and tone guide and to write microcopy i feel that they don't speak uh, swedish <laughs> <laughs> no because so i could I, take it too yeah <laughs> i created this program after going to yours and to beat and after i beta tested the first course from uh, from ux writers collective mm -hmm. and i thought they were both great and they really both of them made me a much better ux writer so i'm happy to hear uh, that yeah <laughs> it's so true but why i wanted to create this program because i and many swedes Mm -hmm. along with me, are involved in projects where we write in Swedish. And uh, to actually learn the skill in Swedish was yes. what I wanted to help other people doing. That's so amazing. it's a great 
it's a great way to to make other people even better. And I'm I'm now doing uh, step one and step two, which I will launch in the fall. Mm-hmm. That's going to to be more about uh, conversion and testing, uh, A/B testing, yes. and to actually prove your the value of of your words, and also uh, in terms of of SEO as as well. Yes, that's an important one. More like a content strategy angle of everything. I agree. It's a good topic to focus. Yeah. So if we have people in the audience, like we have people in the audience that are Swedish speakers, you should talk to Matthias, register, sign up to his newsletter. It's really good. And check out his program because I'm sold. Thank you for saying that. And anyone around the world can sign up for the newsletter, uh, of course, which I, I, I started since I wanted to, to uh, help people interested in, in UX writing to find the good stuff, mm-hmm. the good stuff written about UX writing. Because from the start, with very few articles written about UX writing, it's been an explosion. It is. It is. And a very good one. Uh, good. And, uh, and <laughs> what we all have in common is we are busy. We don't have a lot of time to read all the, those articles. And I felt that myself. Uh, there were so many articles I wanted to, to read or, or videos I wanted to go through and see. But I didn't have the time since I'm a father of two small kids. So my time was very limited. And that's why I started the, the newsletter, which is called UX Writing Summarized for a reason. Yes. Because I summarize three great articles giving the reader the very best from those uh, articles. And more useful resources. It's a pretty nice uh, resource. I like your newsletter. Thank you. And uh, I definitely agree that there's explosion of content out there in many fields right now, obviously. But uh, it's hard to find a good one to queue. So we have one place, your newsletter. We also try to do it in our newsletter that curates. We don't summarize. We, we most of the time curate. But the right content, the good one. So we actually want to save time for audience, for readers. That's uh, really important. Cool, Matthias. Uh, yeah. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I feel like we can speak for at least one more hour about like how to balance between the work and life and all of that. But we will keep it to our next episode. Next year, we'll do a follow-up one. I'm looking forward to it already. Good. And feel well, feel safe, take care. I hope this uh, coronavirus, even though you work from home, you can work from home. I hope that we could just go outside, travel. And personally, I want to come also to Sweden one day and meet with all of your nice community over there. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Yuval. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.